name is John Stringfield, and you're listening to No Strangers Here on 88.5 FM, WCUG, Cougar Radio. Today, I wanted to recite for you a poem uh, by Margaret Cavendish. Uh, she was a English poet uh, who lived from 1631 to 1700, uh, roughly speaking. And she was most notable uh, for her contributions to English literature due to her rather eccentric and sometimes described wild lifestyle uh, given the time period that she lived in. Uh, Today, her actions seem fairly normal to us, Uh, but you have to remember back then this kind of behavior was considered uh, unhinged in many ways. during her time, uh, she was nicknamed the Mad Mage, uh, and this was because many people thought of her as being mentally unstable. They thought of this of her because she would often uh, promote herself, not only in terms of work, but her personality. Um, what we know today is someone hyping oneself up. <laughs> uh, she would do that uh, during her lifetime. Uh, She also had a very strong and compelling willingness to want to debate people, uh, not only women, but also men, uh, especially men who were considered to be uh, notable figures in society or even people of science. Uh, And she would just willing, you know, uh, with no, no prompt in mind, she would just go right at it, you know, and start debating them in various topics that interest her. Uh, or things that they disagreed upon. And um, she also possessed very strong feminist views during her lifetime, which is, again, something that isn't really heard of back then, or at least isn't prevalent, to say the least. Uh, And so because of that, a lot of people thought of her as being crazy uh, because of her um, ambitious and or... Uh, flamboyant lifestyle. Uh, She even, in terms of fashion, uh, would attract people uh, and bizarre them by her unconventional way of dressing herself. Uh, She would often wear very... How can I say? Other other than uh, her clothes didn't necessarily match (laughs) all the time. Uh, What we would call like bumming out today, she would do back then. Um, so she wasn't very much of a woman who would, you know, always wear nice fancy dresses that were incredibly expensive, or, um, she'd always have a sensibility as to what kind of color she was wearing all the time. Uh, she would purposely just throw on, you know, whatever she felt like and wear it, uh, whether if she was at home or going to parties or just, you know, walking around, uh, in town, she would just throw on whatever she felt like uh and that would often either be a combination of different types of clothing and different types of fabric or even uh, she'd wear like accommodations of both male and female clothing uh, and she just she just have a ball you know and just just wear it do as she feels uh <laughs> so back then uh, this was considered to be very unladylike, or uh, in her case, many people thought she was mentally insane. Uh, But obviously, looking back on it, uh, she wasn't insane. She was just ahead of her time 
to say the least, or at least wanted to share some sort of truth uh, that she held near and dear to her, uh, and that is obvious in her character. Uh, given her lifestyle, she was also a prolific writer in terms of she wrote loads of poetry, uh, novels, um, plays. Uh, she also wrote um, scientific papers, um, pamphlets, and even contributed to scientific uh, books, even. Uh, some of her books, known as... Um, New World called The Blazing World. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's a series of books. And those books are considered to be one of the very earliest examples of even science fiction. You know, um, her writing, I would say, um, in terms of being some of the very first sci fi novels, uh, falls in line right alongside with uh, many of the poets and writers of their time when little aspects of science fiction were just about to rise uh, and show their true characters as being a real genre instead of just a um, fantasy, you know, uh, that it was a defining moment for science fiction in the very beginning, I can say that much. Uh, so today, um, I wanted to read a, a nice poem, uh, something that's a bit more lighthearted <laughs> than some of our other poems. Uh, but again, that depends on how all you interpret it. And of course, I I read it and thought this was a very uh, nice poem that is not only aware, uh, but is also written in a very fun sort of way. Uh, it, it, to me, it kind of reminds me of that sort of nursery rhyme sort of rhythm. Uh, and it, it is obviously written in this older form of English, uh, ones with doths and uh, thighs and owls and um, the phrasing's a bit strange to our more uh, modern tastes in uh, English both in writing and in speaking formats uh, but it, it, nevertheless I, I think it's a, a wonderful poem uh, and, and I think we ought to focus more on poems as the one as I'm going to recite today uh, not only because are they just enjoyable but also because I think they have a better or more positive message uh, than many of the poems that we read or have read so far uh, whether it's within the past few centuries or in modern day uh, so for today I will recite for you Of the Spider's Web by Margaret Cavendish written in 1668 The spider's housewifer no webs doth spin to make her cloth but ropes to hang flies in her bowels are the shop where flax is found her body is the wheel that goeth round her distaff where she sticks and threads a wall her feet the fingers are she pulls withal She's busy at all times, not idle lies, at how she builds with nets to catch the flies. Though it be not so strong as brick and stone, yet strong enough to bear light bodies on. Within this house the female spider lies, the withest the male doth hunt aboard for flies. We're leaving, ne'er leaving till he flies getting in, which are entangled soon within his subtle snare. 
like treacherous hosts which do much welcome make their guests yet watch how their day their lives may take so in this poem it's it's obvious uh, we see a a, a picture of what uh, the idea of the dynamic between a husband or a wife uh, in the household. Uh, obviously, we see that the, the the housewife spider, or the female spider in this case, uh, is obviously staying home and threading her webs to catch flies, uh, while the male or husband spider is off hunting uh, for flies as well. But we can obviously see that there's two different types of success going on here. Uh, the housewife, obviously, as read from this poem, uh, is catching far more flies than her husband is. Uh, and that is due to her position and her strategy and how she's ensnaring these flies. Uh, and as the poem has read, she's not standing idle. She's busily working, but she's able to capture the flies by imitating or creating an illusion of stillness as opposed to the male spider who's going on a, a frivolous hunt uh, and moving all about and is barely catching anything <laughs> um, and so obviously like I, I mentioned before uh, this sort of poem depicts the, the scenery or the imagery of the relationship dynamic between husband and wife during Cavendish's lifetime. Uh, and this is obviously something that we've seen um, throughout our history in numerous countries um, that the, the husband goes out to work and the wife stays home with the children. And in our more modern age, um, that sort of idea is not in tune with what our true desires are. Um, we've come to learn, obviously, that that sort of mentality is not a healthy one, to say the least. Um, though it may work for some people, obviously, everybody's different. And everyone should feel to have the right and the freedom, obviously, to strive and aim for their goals and their in their career, uh, respectively. Um, but it's always good to look back on these sort of things, examine them, analyze them, why they were the way that they were, how we've grown and learned from them, and how we continue to move on and uh, move forward. So here in the very first lines, uh, the spider housewifery no webs doth spin to make her cloth but ropes to hang flies in. Uh, her bowels of the shop where flax is found, her body is the wheel that goeth round. So here first obviously Cavendish introduces the spider as being a housewife um, instead of saying that the female spider or the wife spider she says specifically housewife here um, and she also mentions that this housewife spider isn't spinning webs she's spinning what looks like rope or cloth um, and that she's able to hang the flies onto the sticky rope um, so already there, we see that there's a technique going on here. This isn't your typical web. This isn't your typical sort of octagonal, perhaps even triangular or circular web that we know of traditionally. This is strands, vertical 
uh, possibly hanging from a branch or possibly hanging from some sort of um, edge. And as the flies fly through, they get ensnared and they're hung there. Uh, and we also learned that this type of webbing that the uh, female spider is conducting, um, it's personalized. And in very much of a way, this is her work. And we know that her work comes from her bowels. Uh, <laughs> we, we know that of today, the bowels being the sort of excrement system uh, in which we have to excuse ourselves to the bathroom. Uh, but obviously this spider is different and we know spiders to produce thread going on. <laughs> uh, but I, I find it interesting that she should use the word bowels here. Uh, because the bowels themselves as an organ or a functioning organ system are within ourselves. It's an interior uh, system. It's not something that we create by hand externally. This is something that is going on within ourselves. Uh, it's not obviously a pretty uh, system, <laughs> uh, but it is a system that has a job uh, and has a function, obviously. Uh, but I, I think that what Cavendish is going with this line is she's sort of trying to personalize the female spider's work, saying that this isn't just her finding cloth or finding threads uh, out and about or just hanging around. This is something she's personally producing uh, from from inside of her. This is this is her work and this is how she's going to do it and this is her technique. And I think that's that's further established that it's a personalized thing when she mentions her body is the wheel that goeth round. Um, so when you think about that, we often think of wheels as being the obviously spinning, uh, whether it's on a car or a steering wheel, or um, if it's like a wheel of a wagon, it's it's a it's a mode of. Or at least it's attached to a mode of transportation. Um, we also will often hear wheels used as a sort of metaphor for progression, for progress being made, uh, moving forward. Um, and so in this case, with the spider personally creating this sort of uh, thread, this rope from herself, um, she is her own progress. She has become her own wheel. Uh, she's no longer just a part of a wheel. Uh, she's no longer the outsider of a wheel that's progressing. She is that wheel for herself here. Uh, so within the next few lines we read, Her distaff were the sticks she thread, so wall. Her feet the fingers are she pulls withal. She's busy at all times, not idle lies and how she builds with nets to catch the flies. Um, so from here, not only is her work personalized, but it is everything to her. This is just not uh, some job she's doing. This is a career that has shaped her life in terms of this is how she lives because of this. Um, her actions of her career have led to her a home for her. This is what's what's made her, essentially, because of her choices, because of how she's performing her career. It has become around her. It has 
this, this career has become her home. Um, and though it may look as though she's just idling by, um, even though it may look like she's not doing a whole lot, internally she's doing everything. She's in charge of the whole operation at home. Um, and there, there, we know of the saying that if you're happy with your job and if you enjoy doing what you do, then you'll never have to work a day in your life. And I think that that, that idea is a good one because I myself feel that in the terms of where I'm taking my career, um, I'm going towards something that I feel will be very beneficial for me. Uh, it's something that I'll thoroughly enjoy doing in terms of teaching and writing, of course. But I think within this, it's not only is she happy with what she's doing, but it's it means everything to her. Um, and by that, I mean that this isn't just some hobby. This isn't just some side project or side hustle that she's performing. This is this is her life. This is everything. And it may not look like much to everybody else, but this is hers. And this is this is what she's been doing. Um, and she's put her heart and soul into it so much so that it's become a home for her. And we know that, as Cavendish writes, that she has been busy at all times, not idle lies. Um, so she's not just sitting around doing this. She's not just taking, you know, a break every 30 minutes. Um, she's not doing it whenever she feels like doing it. She's doing it because she enjoys doing it and she's good at it. And she's consistently and constantly doing it. And so here, like I mentioned before within the next few lines, um, it may not look like much to anyone else and it may not be as profitable or enjoying or, um, or excuse me, it may not be as joyful or as uh, good. <laughs> To anyone else but to her it, it means everything to her um, she writes that Cavendish that is she writes though it be not so strong as brick and stone yet strong enough to bear light bodies on within this house the female spider lies the willest the male doth hunt abroad for flies uh, so here Cavendish writes that yes this may not look like much but it is everything um, and it even though it may not look like much, it performs the job well. Um, for her, flies are a source of food. Um, and in terms of perhaps looking back into what this may represent for Cavendish, um, being a woman, being of her time, uh, she obviously couldn't perform or easily do jobs as effectively, or, or at least seen as effectively as men back then. Um, obviously women were put in a separate category thought to be too delicate or unintelligent enough to perform a certain job um, and that they were meant to stay at home when obviously we know of today that couldn't be any farther from the truth um, and I think that's what Cavendish is writing here is that she's writing that women too though they may be only at home in her lifetime that is um, they're doing everything they're doing everything behind the scenes. Uh, they're working with everything to perform what's operating within the home. And 
though it may not look like much, it is it is a lot of work. Um, and it means a lot to that person uh, who is staying home. It means a lot to Cavendish, and it means a lot to this female spider here. Um, and within these last few lines, we hear about the husband spider, the male spider. We learn about what he's up to. The Willis, the male, doth hunt for flies. Uh, so he's on the hunt. He's um, out in the wilderness. Uh, instead of staying at home, he is just going about doing his job uh, in the wild. Uh, the forest or the woods or wherever the setting may be in his terms. Uh, Ne'er leaving till he, fly, till he flies gets in which are entangled soon within his stubble snare, like treacherous hosts which do much welcome make their guests, yet watch how they their lives may take. Um, so here within these last two lines, um, we read that his snare is, is subtle, um, and that he is not as welcoming as his uh, as his wife or the female spider is in terms of trapping uh, in terms of gathering enough flies and so within these last two lines we see that there's an obvious difference here um, between how these flies are being captured and how they are being treated um, like treacherous hosts which do much welcome make their guests yet watch how they their lives may take um, within the wife we didn't hear anything quite like that with her flies the flies were just captured and they were hung there easy said and done painless sort of situation going on uh, while as for her male counterpart her husband um, his trap is subtle uh, and is and when flies are ensnared, uh, when they are caught, they take their own lives as opposed to letting the male spider, you know, kill the fly. Um, so we see that there's a distinct difference here in terms of how they are capturing flies. Um, whether or not you know they're both capturing the same flies, uh, whether or not they are doing more effective. Um, towards capturing flies. Uh, I don't think that Cavendish is asking or wondering about that in terms of this poem. I think what she's trying to ask is which one is better uh, in terms of which way is more humane. <laughs> or in this terms, which one is more spider-y? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. But then again maybe she isn't asking she's just showing you know this is just a comparison she's not wanting to know the answer she's just showing hey look at this um, these are two different ways of capturing flies and this is how it's done um, and so when I think of a spider's web and I think of the flies I often though I'm I, I myself being a writer I'm guilty of making such a connection uh, I think this has a lot to do with writing or in terms of it has a lot to do with uh, getting the attentions of people. Uh, there's an old saying that, uh, that says that you will attract more flies with honey than vinegar. 
And essentially what that means is, depending on how you treat people, depending on how you talk to them, how you look upon them, um, and how you interact with them, you will become more likable and you will become more enjoyable uh, to those around you if you are kind and sweet to them, like honey, as opposed to being bitter or sour or uh, just just bad, <laughs> like, you know, um, sour vinegar, you know. Um, so you, you, by being sweet and kind, you will gather more people around you and you will gather more of an audience as opposed to someone who is sour or bitter or angry um, or violent or aggressive where they will maybe attract only a couple people if any at all and when you think about that in terms of writing um, depending on what you write depending on how you write it and what audiences are listening you will find out for yourself how much attention are you gathering how much good are you producing um, for the female housewife who is at home working uh, constantly uh, towards her career as a as a flycatcher um, with a very uh, distinct uh, technique and quality uh, as opposed to her husband the male spider um, we see that her method is what we believe to be painless, uh, far more effective in terms of just gathering um, flies in a more humane way, uh, as opposed to her male, to the male spider, her husband, who is very sneaky um, and very aggressive to the point where the flies take their own life. Um, so when you think about that in writing, well, Cavendish herself was a poet and a writer, uh, and she obviously had many male uh, writers around her, or at least within her same lifetime. Um, and maybe what she's doing here is just a, a little comparison as to her way of writing, or the way of how you know female writers, or how female creatives even uh, interact, or how they write and produce for their audience as opposed to perhaps the male writers. Um, this poem may represent the difference between men and women uh, in terms of how they speak or how they, uh, how they uh, debate. There's a multitude of differences here. Um, and I think Cavendish's poem here, um, she's not just writing in accordance to all women and all men. This is this. These are two spiders specifically. Um, neither one represents the whole, obviously, but she she's just showing two distinct examples here: um, the one female spider and the one male spider. Um, and I don't think her idea or goal here was to sort of say that all female spiders are like this for all male spiders are like this like i said she she specifically chose two two spiders that had a relationship together mind you so it's not like these are just random spiders they, they aren't acquaintances they're they're a husband and wife so she's showing distinctly the the distinction between the two 
um, in terms of one being a housewife, the other being a hunter. Uh, one being female, one being a male. Um, so I, I think that that poem is what represents what Cavendish saw. Uh, it's just an example of what she herself may have experienced during her lifetime as a creative. Um, and I think it's it's beautifully written. Um, and like I said, it's fun to read even. You know, it's got that sort of, um, not lullaby, but a nursery rhyme quality to it. Um, and it, it's uh, it's one of those older poems that I appreciate that it uses the, the doths and the thes and the thous and the these. Um, that we often attribute to William Shakespeare or John Doe. Uh, I, I think I think this was a, a very nice poem, uh, but also had a lot to offer uh, in terms of interpretation, in terms of uh, quality. Uh, but that is all the time I have for now. Um, with the next episode, I think we'll be heading towards the next century. Um, and be looking more towards the 1700s and hopefully by then uh, we'll be able to progress into the 1800s and I think between the 17 and 1800s we will see a lot of interesting poems that will be revolving around war Uh, we will see poems that will deal with race uh, poems that will deal with uh, sexuality and gender Um, and we also see poems a lot of the poems will be, I think, about class also. Uh, poems that will focus on the sort of societal hierarchy that we uh, often try to analyze and often try to uh, rework. So I, I think these next two centuries of poems will be very, very, very much intriguing. Uh, but I hope you all are having a good day. I hope you enjoy the poem as much as I did. Uh, and I hope you will look forward to hearing more content. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Columbus State's Commons Department for the space and equipment provided for the show. Thank you to Dr. Gibson, the department chair. Thank you to Dr. Getz, WCUG's faculty advisor. Uh, you can listen to this show on 88.5 FM Cougar Radio, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.